Great show today. Gay man, gay journalist Dave Rubin joins us with an incredible story about big gay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know. I it. didn't know there was a big gay. Yeah, big gay. Yeah. Big media, big gay. Big it's, gay. All part, it's all one and the same, Stu. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. Yeah. Uh, also, we have former White House advisor uh, to the Trump White House, the guy who said, you gotta fire Fauci. He's going to talk to us today. Bill O'Reilly and so much more. It's the Friday broadcast of Halloween Weekend. The best of the Glenn Beck program. And now, the scariest hour on radio. The one, the only, Bill O'Reilly. Hello, Crip Keeper. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm all right. Yeah, are you? Um, I just got up. Got off the phone with Tonto, Long Lone Ranger's uh, yeah. pal. Yeah, really. And, and he, you know, he said, "Look, I want kids to go trick or treating, dress as me." <laughs> Holy right? cow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Tonto is not uh, offended. He was. He's not marginalized. He's not woke. Mm-hmm. He gets enough sleep, but mm-hmm. he's not woke. Hmm. And he just said, "Look, if the urchins want to run around dressed as me, chemo sabi, I'm uh, I'm down with it." Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's that's that was uh, my morning. I yeah. would love to see your neighborhood uh, all behind bars, Bill. Yeah, how's that, uh, Bill? What is the uh, big story yeah. of the week? I think the failure of Joe Biden to uh, command respect in his own party. I think that's pretty huge. Um, so usually when you're a president, you understand how far you can go in getting your stuff done, your policies done, new laws passed. But Joe Biden didn't have a clue. And to me, I mean, I'm watching this yesterday. You got Pelosi, who is one of the most vicious um house speakers in history and you know she basically says to uh democrats in the house hey if you don't vote the way i want you to you're not going to get a blank and penny when you run every two years so the party's not going to give you any money that strangles um candidates so she gets pretty much what she wants to get but here she couldn't get the uh democrats to vote for anything they just wouldn't vote. And Biden goes out on national television. I thought he was going to cry. I thought Joe was going to like, come on, <laughs> come on at me. Got nothing. And now he whips over and he's uh, with the Pope. I think that's done. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, he's meeting with the yeah. Italian prime minister now, and then he'll meet with yeah, the Yeah, that French. must be exciting, you know, meeting yeah. with the Italian prime minister. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's no been any reportage on the Pope, right? Did you see anything? No, I haven't heard anything. I know that the, they were going to carry it live. The Pope was, I don't know, on Pope TV or whatever. They were going to carry it live, and then the Pope decided not to for some reason. Yeah, that was the Pope's on The Voice. So they were going to tape the show. <laughs> the Pope. Yeah, really? <laughs> Singing Ave Maria. Yeah, right. And, uh, you yeah. know, and you can't really boot the Pope off. That's no, no. Yeah, so, so I, I don't think they wanted to have Biden on The Voice. But, you know... Catholics and other Christians who are um, against abortion, they want the Pope to come out and scorch Biden and scorch Nancy Pelosi, but he's never 
in a million years going to do that because he sees that as pastoral duty, what they call pastoral duty, which is private. But I, I was shocked. I ran a soundbite on No Spin News last night where Joe Biden actually said that he doesn't believe life begins at conception. He doesn't believe that. So that means you can't be a Roman Catholic. You can't. It, that would be like saying uh, if you're um, a Muslim, you know, I don't think Muhammad's a prophet. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, he, he was just some guy on a camel. Mm-hmm. No, if you don't believe that, you can't be a Muslim. It's the same thing. And, and this is how clueless Mr. Biden is. I mean, Mr. He, he just says, oh, no, I, I don't believe life uh, begins at conception. And you look at him and go, do you not understand the Catholic theology's Based on that, yeah, but they're, God but, but their religion, all life, and you don't destroy it. Their religion doesn't. in Washington D.C. is pick and choose whatever works for you today. Whatever, I mean, maybe, maybe so. But aren't you surprised, as just a, an analyst of the news, that a guy who has used his religion in his political campaigns, and everyone knows he goes to church and that he's a loyal Roman Catholic, no, he's not. come out and say, I don't believe in a central tenet of my church. And it gets no coverage. Nothing. Nobody says a word, because you're right, in Washington, D.C., all religion is a side show. Mm-hmm. You know, and... and the commentators and the media people, they're all heathens. You know, that. <laughs> while we're, you know, while we're, while we're on this, uh, religion yeah. thing, uh, Bill, the religious exemptions, uh, for the Navy, apparently they haven't given one. And, uh, there's breaking news today that the chaplain who you have to go to for a religious exemption, they're now asking, well, how does that make sense with this tenant of your religion? And how come you can take this vaccine, but not this vaccine? They're making you uh, they're they're making you prove to them your religion. They're they're questioning your faith. And if it doesn't make sense, then you don't get it. Uh, I mean, since when is that being a conscientious objector, though? So I see the point of the Navy and the military here. Um, you can't just stroll on in there because you're afraid to get vax, and that's... Wait, 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 wait. But I, ha- I have a right. I mean, we, we talked about this earlier today. When they say, uh, you know, uh, confess or admit your uh, privilege, I do all the time. Every morning when I say my prayers, I, I acknowledge my privilege to my God because God gave me everything everything and god gave okay, me freedom hang on hang on hang on god gave All me right. freedom of choice and i believe that i am being forced to bow down in front of a false god and do what this false god is telling me what to do and okay i i religiously object but, to but it here's why you're never going to get anywhere with that because the religious exemption in the military is based on theology. So when you have the Pope come out and say, hey, everybody should get vaxxed, that wipes out all the Catholic exemptions right there. And so the, they're not going to go and evaluate your request for an exemption from the vax based on your personal philosophy. 
That's not happening. Okay, so then you why can't I for, into if, a religion and an organized religion and say as Muhammad Ali did, and that's why he won that appeal in the Supreme Court. Right. Okay. My religion, Islam, says I can't do harm to Correct. people I don't know or however they phrased it. Yeah. So why can't I then say, for instance, my church uh, has what's called the proclamation of the family, and it specifically says genders are preordained. Okay, so you're born a boy, you're born a girl. You don't change that. Um, right. And man and a woman uh, is is they have sacred roles and sacred identities. Why can't I then have on religious or could I in if I went to the army and they're trying to jam all this stuff down my throat that I have to you know accept all of this and say all this. Look, I don't have a problem if you want to believe that, but I'm not going to con- I'm not going to lend my voice to something I think is is wrong according to my religion. Yeah, they would they, if they did anything, the military did anything. All right, to try to force you out of the belief that when you're born a man, that's how you die. When you're born a woman, that's how you die. If they tried to force you out of that, by you saying, okay, Glenn Beck, you have to do a speech that says trans people are the greatest people. Then you could sue them and win everything. But you can't do that, all right? But in a, in a personal, philosophical way, and that's what most of the anti-vaxxers are. I don't want to take the vax, for, and, and I'm not going to tell you why. I don't want to do it. You can't force me to do it. Well, the courts have all ruled that, yes, the government can force you. Where? Where? How, Bill? How can... In 1913, there was a big ruling. It still stands. Now, these cases are winding their way up to the Supreme Court, and I do believe some COVID cases will be heard. But I still believe that the court will come down and say, if there is a threat to public safety, the government has a right to mandate vaccinations because we have polio, we have measles, we have all of this precedent. Okay, and we're, you know, the COVID pandemic was bad enough with all the deaths and all hospitalizations that I it is a legitimate public safety threat. That's how I think it would go down. Okay, so there are two countries now Um, more. You know, I've heard people say there are two Americas. There really are two Americas now. No doubt about it. Um, And no doubt about it. And. Part part of that second America has truly become a second class citizen. You can't have a job. You won't be able to work if you don't get a vaccine because no company will hire you. And it's not that these companies are all for it. These companies are doing it out of fear of the government. So how do you take 10 percent of the population and say no job for you and expect well, that to right work now, it's happening even as we speak where i am i know i so know in, in new york city they're going to lose 25 percent of the cops and about 18 percent of the firefighters what does that city, what does that do to the city and I mean, there's a, not a greater group of people that deserve that. Who, who are the happiest people in the world today? The gangs who can go out and, and commit crime. Correct. Look, they can commit crimes now at will anyway. But it's 
it's 50% easier to do it today and over the Halloween weekend. So look, I'm sympathetic to the fascist element of this. I understand how this tears apart a society, okay, even though I am a person who believes that vaccinations are good. So, so do I. Okay, but I understand so that. What? So do I. Yeah, I know you do. I know. So, but I understand, and I wouldn't have mandated the cops and the firefighters, so-called essential workers, get the vax in New York City. I would have said, if you don't get vaccinated, you have to then obey a certain set of rules we're going to set up just for you. That means you have to wear a mask all the time, no matter where you are. The mask doesn't get- work. Well, it doesn't matter whether it doesn't work or not. You're sending a signal to the public. You're sending a signal to the public that Officer O'Dowd is unvaxxed. Oh, so okay, it's so like a if, so it's like a um, a yellow star, something like that. You knew I was going. So there, the public you? doesn't want to go near Officer O'Dowd because Officer O'Dowd's unvaxxed. The public knows, and then I would have wrong. the essential workers have to pay for their own COVID tests. I would, I would do that. You'd have to be tested a couple of times a week just to make sure you're not a carrier. But anyway, I think that would be a compromise that some would do. Um, rather than the dig in, I'm, I'm going to leave my job, which is going to hurt every all eight and a half million people who live in New York City. Okay, so let me just let me just wrap this segment up with with this. We strongly encourage all participants to be vaccinated before coming. Uh, for the health and safety of all. But we not we will not make it mandatory since some participants have medical or other issues that preclude them from vaccinations. This is the statement from COP21 in Glasgow. There are 20,000 politicians and their staffs all in Glasgow. And they're not mandating a vaccine for any of them. Why should they get a special opening and the average person not? That's an excellent question. I think you should fly to Scotland and wear a kilt when you're there and go in and ask that question. I would gladly Can wear you do a kilt. A burr? Can you do a Scottish burr? Can you do that? Uh, no, I can't. no, I can't. But I have a you can't? no. But I have a Scotsman who uh, was in the Royal Marines, and he'll go well, over you there. Take him as an interpreter because you can't uh, you can't understand those people. No, I know <laughs> it's true. By the way, it is true. I met yeah, his. Are the horns you show up. I I, um, all I, I want is an omelet. I know he he brought his father over, who speaks like the yeah. old dialect. I yeah. swear to God, you have no. He's speaking English. You have absolutely no idea, no idea what he, he could be saying to you. Help me, help me! I'm on fire, and you're like, "What? I don't." You, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't all know. All I do when I when I'm in Scotland, all I do is uh, I just dance. I just do a little. You know, the bagpipes come in, and I they're not letting you in now. Scotland. You're an Irishman. Oh, they, they let me there. Are you kidding me? They, You're Ireland, it's right across the Irish Sea. I know. They'll believe me. They know. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Former assistant to President Trump, former White House trade advisor and author of a new book called In Trump Time, Peter Navarro. Welcome to the program, Peter. How are you, sir? I couldn't be more delighted to be with you uh, uh, today to talk about In Trump Time and this uh, crumbling supply chain we're facing. You know that uh, 
the whole ethos of the Trump administration was buy American, yep. hire American. Mm-hmm. And if you have your factories here, it's just uh, axiomatic that you'll have your supply chains here. If you offshore your factories, the supply chains go with them. So at least a good part of the problem we're facing now is the power of of corporate America to send our jobs offshore, chasing that uh, that sweatshop labor, and yeah, they always tell us that it's it's a, what we call in economics a black swan event, you know, low tail risk. Uh-huh. But somehow those supply chains will be disrupted. Uh, but but boy, that tail risk is looking like a big tail right now. And, you know, Peter, uh, I tell you, it is it is. We didn't learn anything. I mean, one of the things that I think shocked America when we shut down for the first fifteen days was, uh, wait a minute, what do you mean we don't make any of our own medicine? We get it all from China or ninety plus percent from China? That seems crazy. We're not talking about bringing any of the essential stuff back here to America. We're building back better, which is a total great reset scam. But we're not we're not doing the common sense things that everyone knows we should do. Well, a tale of two uh, packages, right? When when I was in the administration, we were uh, I document this in detail in the Trump Time book. We we were trying to to pass a, a the trillion dollar two trillion dollar package, um, but but the the primary focus on it besides providing some short term aid to people who really needed it was bringing our factories on shore, our essential medicines, um, and if you contrast that, like what's in that two trillion dollar package with what the Democrats are trying to pass now, it's, it's what we call a math, an empty set, right? The, 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 what the Democrats want to do is just spend a bunch of money with no strategic purpose whatsoever, with no thought of solving our supply chain crisis. And, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. I think to myself, yeah, what is it, what is it folks who voted against Trump? Do you, what, what didn't you like? Was it the strong economic growth, the rising real wages for blue-collar Americans, like North Korea keeping their missiles on the ground, uh, Iran at peace, uh, cracking down on communist China, securing our southern border? Or, or was it those, those tweets that really kind of annoyed you? you know, and now right. you, got, like, you went from the best president ever to the worst, but but I, I would be risk. You mentioned Fauci uh, in, in part of your intro. I mean, in chapter two of the In Trump Time book, I had my first meeting with him, and yes, it was over that um, China travel ban. And if you remember um, January 28, 2020, this was like the dawn of the pandemic. There were really only three people in the White House who was taking the virus seriously. It was President me and, and O'Brien, the National Security Advisor, right? And the boss sends me to the sit room to argue the ta- lobby the task force on behalf of the ban. And I go in there and it's like there's nothing but but bogeys in there. Like Mulvaney's at the end of the table, acting chief of staff, he's against it. I got Pompeo's hack, my left shoulder, he's against it. Uh, Orville Redenbacher, doppelganger, but the bumbling Robert Redfield at the CDC and Azar sitting next to him. But there's this little guy, little guy, Glenn, he's sitting across there with his little round glass, didn't know him from Adam, didn't know he walked on water, didn't know he was a saint, didn't know he was a media darling. Didn't know that he was the highest paid government official in all of America? No friggin' eye. He was just a guy sitting across from me at high noon, which would have some symbolism, right? And two minutes in, it's all in the Trump time book. It's all documented. 
Um, I'm in a violent shouting match with this guy. And all he could keep saying over and over again is that, that travel bans don't work. And I go, dude, I actually said, dude, do him. I said, dude, it's like, you mean to tell me it's like 20,000 Chinese nationals coming in. A lot of them from Wuhan are likely lit up like a Christmas tree with virus coming into LAX and O'Hare and Kennedy. Are you telling me that we're better off, you know, come on down? And he just, he held that position that, you know, that I, I beat him that day because the boss two days later would, would do the travel. Ad. But here's, here's what was really important about that day. It wasn't just that he was so wrong about the virus right then. We find out later on that he got an email that day from a Scripps Institute scientist mm-hmm. who told him flat out, this virus likely came from a lab and was genetically engineered as a weapon. Okay, so think about this now. Fauci on that day, early on, January 28, 2020, knew the following, that the virus came from Wuhan, that it surfaced within yards of that lab. That's two things. Number three, Fauci knew that he funded that lab. And number four, he knew that he authorized the gain-of-function experiments that can turn harmless bat viruses into human killers. That was a lie of omission, because you can't tell me that the, well, the two of us sitting there, I was the only one who knew that Ling was from the lab in Wuhan, me the, me, me the economist, right? Come on. Fauci knew, and I'm telling you, Glenn, if he had simply yes, told us that day, I know. come clean that day, millions of people would be alive today because we would have had a completely different strategy. Oh, and by the way, the boss would be sitting in the White House for a second term. Uh, I have so to that t- guy... That guy is evil. Go ahead. Peter, I have to tell you, uh, you're going to love the special I'm doing in two weeks on this because we have all the goods uh, on him on this particular topic. uh, And it goes it goes a lot deeper. And uh, I said to my staff when we first were going through all the evidence, I said, if America would have forgiven him, if he would have just come clean and said, okay, guys, this is what happened, yada, yada. But he chose to stay silent. And Peter, you might know the answer to this question. I haven't found it yet. How much did he, did he tell any of the um, engineers, the bioengineers that were working on the vaccine? Did he hold any information back because it would have incriminated him? Did he hold anything back? Did, yeah. What did he tell yeah, he people? He, he, it was worse than that. He told us nothing, nothing, but more importantly, Glenn, more importantly, he organized an elaborate cover-up through this uh, cutout named Peter Daszak, who I'm sure you'll feature in the special. Daszak oh, is yeah. important because he's a guy at this organization called the Eco Health Alliance, yep. right? Yep. So he was a conduit for money that would go to him as grants and then would go over to the Wuhan lab and wash through this uh, bat lady, Xi Zhongli. Now, what Fauci did following that notification from that script scientist on the 28th was he used that scientist and Daszak and others to basically write letters in support of just the opposite, that this thing came from nature. Yeah, It was a flat-out cover-up why? So when you, that's why I say, Glenn, I could have saved millions of lives if, if he had simply come clean. Okay, that so day. This guy is a sociopath and a narcissist. And by the way, in the In Trump Time book, 
That's not the only thing I fought him on. I fought him on hydroxychloroquine as a therapeutic. That stuff works. He tried, you know, the vaccine, uh, delay the vaccine until after the election so Trump couldn't couldn't uh, take a win. And there's even more than that. This man, I'm so glad you're doing a special. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know glad. what? I, I tell you, we, we uh, one of our one of our one of our producers will probably be, be in touch um, with you about this. Uh, we should probably include you in this. If Fauci is such a bad guy, which I I believe I've seen the documents that we will be showing on the air soon. You were there. If he was so bad, why didn't Trump fire him? Uh, well, I don't know if you've seen the cover. Have you seen the cover of the book? It's it, it's like me sitting, uh, standing, across the boss, you know, in the Oval Office, pointing at him in kind of a very serious conversation. And it may or may not be me telling him to fire Fauci, <laughs> because I told him twice early on, to, as 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 Churchill once said to Hitler, "Strangle that baby in the crib, fire him, get him the get get him the hell out of the White House." I don't blame the boss for not taking my advice. I, you know, I'm like the economics and trade guy. What the hell do I know? It's like, like Azar saying keep Fauci, uh, Redfield saying it, Stephen Hahn at the FDA saying it, you know, all the healthcare bureaucracy saying, oh, this guy walks on water. But more importantly, a uh, little breaking news here, it's like it was also Mulvaney, the chief of staff, and the press team who were afraid that somehow if you fired him, it would have too much blowback. And that was such, mm. I mean, that, that's like, it's all like a one-day story if you'd gotten rid of him. Now. Yeah. Just get him now. Just go, you know, like, you're, you're not part of this. Well, Sit over at the NIH. Do not go on TV. Shut your pie hole. Yeah, I will that's tell you, it would have been... Up. It would have been bad blowback, but it it uh, it would be understood now. Um, and uh, because now when this when this all really comes out, uh, it is people are going to know what really happened and how villainous uh, Fauci really is. More with Peter Navarro here in just a second. Peter Navarro, uh, his uh, book is in Trump time, a journal of America's plague year. So, Peter, you know, we all knew when uh, this thing started to drag on. I mean, uh, you know, 15 days to, sl- to slow the curve. Yeah. You know, OK, fine. Even 30 days, maybe. Uh, but once you started getting into three, four months and now you knew that you had to have known the supply chain is not you can't start it again. How much trouble are we in at this point? Uh, we're in the worst trouble I've ever seen as a macroeconomist. And just so your listeners understand, it's like before I joined with, with President Trump as his economic advisor, what I did was macroeconomic forecasting. I predicted the the stock market collapse in 2007, the housing bubble collapse in 2006. Uh, and by the way, Dow 25,000 the day after Trump got elected when the futures were heading dead red down. I'm not half bad at forecasting. Um, this is a very serious matter. And in, in the In Trump Time book, I describe how in May of 2020, think about this. In May of 2020, I wrote a memo to the chief of staff uh, talking about how um, the supply chains uh, were going to be threatened by this and we could face a stagflationary scenario, which is mm-hmm. something with, we hadn't suffered since the 1970s. It's a combination uh, of slow growth, recession, and inflation. Usually you don't right. get those two 
at the same time. Right. Um, here, here's the thing. There's a, it's a, a lot of complex things going on, but the one, the, what the tipping point for this crisis um, is is the uh, Biden universal vaccination policy, and, yes. and regardless of whether you think that's a good thing from a healthcare point of view, which I don't, and I'm one of the guys who helped kind of get the vaccine started. I'm not anti-vax. It, the, the vax is for people who need it. You know, seniors, people with the comorbidities. You don't have Fauci going in and jab six-year-olds. Okay, but but put that aside. You know, from purely economic point of view, let's think about this. If you are basically forcing people to lose their jobs uh, if, if, because they don't want to get vaccinated, many of them because they already had the virus and have antibodies, you're going to lose longshoremen, you're going to lose truckers, and then on top of that, you're, you're going to lose your, your police, your fire, your SEALs, your soldiers, um, just all sorts of people across the labor market in a, in a, in a labor market which is already severely constrained so if you just take the trucking thing for example with the 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 vax policy plus biden's uh, demolition of the trump policy of strategic energy dominance you know where we now have you know where pennsylvania is like the saudi arabia natural gas and natural gas prices are going through the roof gasoline prices are going up even higher i mean why would a trucker get in a truck knowing that by the end of the journey they might get, get hassled because of their VAC status and won't make a dime because fuel prices outpaced uh, yep. the rates that are set for freight, okay? So these are very complex things. And, and now on top of that, because people are, are rightly concerned about shortages, uh, there's hoarding going on. So, I mean, it's going to be a lean Thanksgiving. It's going to be a lean Christmas. Um, you know, we, this week we had uh, really low GDP numbers, which point to the stag part of the equation, and we're already, like, flying. So um, buy American, hire American. That's where it's got to start. And that was my mission at the White House with the president. Peter Navarro, uh, I have so much so much more to talk to you about. I'd love to have you back on uh, radio in the, in, in the next couple of weeks, talk more about your book, but also uh, what's happening in China and the trade with china and their economy um and what's happening there well, well let's do it uh let's do it just before your uh your fauci thing comes out and uh, okay. we Good. can talk about that the book's coming out on tuesday please if you can get it on amazon now get that up there in the ranking so you know how it is Glenn. we yep. have to compete against the corporate media and they suppress our sales it's you know in is. trump time in trump time is the name of the book in trump time peter navarro This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Spooky, isn't it? It is a spooky, spooky weekend. It's Halloween weekend. Yes. And so I thought we would get Dave Rubin on. Dave Rubin, gay man, gay journalist. Yeah. As Phil Henry used to say. Uh... Dave is the author of Don't Burn This Country, uh, which is a a new book that is uh, coming out April 22nd. So hurry to your bookstore. Uh, Dave Rubin, how are you, sir? 
Glenn, was that your Transylvanian accent or just straight up Russian? It that was, was really right on the edge of both. Yeah, well, I started out uh, with uh, Transylvanian <laughs> and then went to full-fledged Russian, yes. Uh, yes. I thought you were going to offer me borscht. <laughs> so uh, I heard a story about you today, and this is so telling so telling oh, Lord. Um, uh, about how journalism is done and how these activists are running everything now. Tell the, tell the audience the story of an interview that you just did. Yeah, so it's such a perfect example, as you said, of everything going wrong with society right now. So, uh, look, I happen to be gay. I think it's probably whoa, whoa, the least whoa, interesting. Well, wait a minute. Nobody told me that. <laughs> I don't want to freak you out. Glenn. We work together out. and you're gay. My eyes know, are up here, says, Dave. My eyes are up here. I, I thought you were supposed to be this big homophobe. <laughs> it turns out you're not. It's all very weird. Wow. Um, so... <laughs> But yes, I, I happen to be gay. It's, it's not, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I really never thought it was a big deal. Um, it's a piece of me. That's it. It, it. You know, okay, there we yeah. go. Now, there are, there are a bunch of gay magazines, you know, Out Magazine, Advocate, things like this. And, and over the years, I've been asked every now and again to do some sort of gay press. And I just, you know, I don't really think that separate but equal is a good thing. I don't think gay people need their own magazines, believe it or not. I don't think they need their own radio stations. I believe black people and white people can share the airwaves. Whoa. You are a madman. You're a madman. I know. I know. True man of equality over here. Uh, but in any event, finally, uh, a writer had been reaching out to me for a couple months at, at a magazine. It's a well-known, it's, it's one of the big three. So there's Out Magazine, Advocate, and Instinct Magazine. These are the sort of three gay magazines. And a guy had been reaching out to me for a couple months telling me that he's a, he's a gay conservative. He's really the only one there. And, you know, he's, he's seen the way the media treats me relative to sexuality and he's been trying to figure out a way to maybe get a piece written about me and, and over a couple months I gained a little trust with the guy I said finally I said you know what I'll do the piece it's not really the direction I want to go but I also know and Glenn you know this people like to see another side of us a little more personal sure. side sometimes instead, yeah. of, instead of just talking politics so I said okay I'll do it so I spent about an hour with him on zoom a couple weeks ago it, you know, we had nothing was off limits. I opened up about a lot of personal stuff that I that I don't discuss that often publicly, if ever. And and he wrote me back immediately after he said, this is this is the best chat that I've ever done with someone. He's worked there for about 10 years as a, as a staff writer. Long story short, the, the piece was to be published, uh, I believe, yesterday or the day before. And he was told by the publisher of the magazine that they were not going to do it because my opinions were too controversial and that the mob would come destroy them. Now, he did also make a point of saying that the publisher himself said that he didn't have a problem, but oh. it was that his own audience. Oh. Now, we can, we can debate that, but yeah, yeah, see, I can see why that part yeah. said, yeah. That he was, he's basically the publisher is now being held hostage by his mm. own audience. And I assure you, Glenn, I, I think you guys are going to publish the piece on the blaze a little bit later. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I'm we talking, are. I'm talking about the golden girls. I'm talking about, you know, you know, there's some personal stuff in there, but there's nothing <laughs> other than I'm not. Wait, I got to tell you, I, I have to tell you, 
I, I didn't know about the part of the Golden Girls in the article. I don't know if the Blaze can run it. Uh, the audience might <laughs> might turn against you, you know. Uh, Come on, Glenn. Come on. I know you love <laughs> B. Arthur. Come on. I actually do. B. Arthur is my Aunt Joanne. I mean, exactly. That is my Aunt Joanne. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, I just have to say it, you know, because Big Gay came after you, I guess. Big Gay magazine big gay came after you you. um you know it is uh it's not surprising but it's really it's really sad um because so many organizations and so many i mean and this happens on the right as well but it is in spades uh on the left people are afraid of their own audience they're afraid all they they worship money what's that saying to you is i won't print the truth because money is more important to me that's that's terrifying that's terrifying oh it's totally terrifying and also it shows you how weak this ideology is you know if you believe in ideology over truth then you'll pretty much do anything at any time so, so here you have a publisher who I don't, I actually don't mean to disparage this guy. He's got a business and he doesn't want this out of control mob to destroy him. Now, now maybe he's in the wrong business and maybe he's not the greatest, most brave person on the planet, but I don't think the story is really about him. It's that we've allowed this, this terrible ideology to destroy almost everything. And in this case, you know, imagine, imagine if there was a black magazine or let's say Ebony or something, I'm not sure if it still exists. And they would only publish black progressives. Now, I suspect that's probably pretty I much. I was going to say, I don't, ha- I don't think we have to imagine that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So then that tells you the point, right? Ebony is not writing a piece, a glowing piece about our good friend Larry Elder. Ebony is no. not going to write a wonderful uh, expose on the life of Thomas Sowell. Uh, but this is the problem, because if you are walking around, I mean, think, Really think about it. Anyone listening to this, really think about it. If you are walking around and thinking that your skin color is your defining characteristic, your sexuality, everyone knows this, your gender, whatever it might be. If you think that is the thing that says, oh, now I have that, so I must believe a certain set of things because of that, you're, you're not a free human being. You're, no. you're actually a slave. And I'll, I'll just tell you one other thing on this quick, which is that Peter Thiel, who, of course, is the PayPal co-founder and, and billionaire you know, founder of Palantir and a million other companies, he happens to be gay. We're good friends. Oh, my and gosh. Stop magazine. outing these I people. I, what? <laughs> Peter Thiel is gay? I know. I'm on a rampage. <laughs> I had two cups of coffee. I'm <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, my world's upside down. A couple, couple years ago, advocate, it was either Advocate or Out, one of the two, wrote a piece that Peter Thiel is not gay, that Peter Thiel, uh, although he has, he's married to a man and, and you know, is, is with a man, that because of his conservative libertarian ideology, he's not actually what gay is. So do you see what they've done here? Yeah. They've actually created a situation where they've separated human beings based on ideology having nothing to do with who they truly well, are. The people who run around telling you that who you are is the most important thing. I will tell you, this is what Stalin did. This is what Hitler did. This is what every dictator yep. does. They make everything about politics. You, you, yep. can't, you can't uh, play basketball unless you fall in line. Everything is about politics, and I think it's grating on the American people. I, I finally think that they've oh, become so arrogant that they don't care. I mean, they, they have said 
exactly who they are, what they're doing. People are seeing it now. You don't just have boobs like me saying it's coming. They're seeing it now. And I really think that uh, it, it's a race to the finish line here. I don't know which one's going to win because they're way ahead. But I will tell you, I don't. I think there is a good portion of this country now that includes many Democrats and independents that will not play ball with this. They just won't. Well, I think I think you're right. And, you know, the proof of that is just in some of the polls we're seeing out of Virginia the last couple of days, because Youngkin now has something like an eight point lead because McAuliffe has brought out Biden to tell everybody that Youngkin's racist. And they're, you know, doing all the nonsense with critical race theory in the classes and, and Eric Swalwell, who's, you know, in bed with the Chinese spy that we all know about Democrat. He he's tweeting out that Youngkin, there's a specific word that Youngkin would like to use about black people that he's just not saying. I mean, it, this thing has run its course. So the, the positive part, and I know you interviewed uh, my friend, Michael Malice a couple days ago, yeah. you know, Michael Malice often talks about this. Now he's an anarchist, but his point is that they're throwing everything they have at us right now. And think about who our sort of ideological opponents are. They're Joe Biden, who obviously is cognitively not there. It's Nancy Pelosi, who's sort of not right either. It's AOC, who's just ridiculous. It's actually not the best of the best. Now, they seem like they have incredible power, right, because of big tech and media and everything else. It seems like they're controlling everything. But this is sort of the best they got. And and I like... You know, I don't like to play the side thing, but it's like, I like what our side has. We have the right ideas and we have better people and they've yeah. pushed us far enough. When they're telling you <laughs> that we're going to take your children to school, you have no right to say what they are going to be educated about. And we're going to be, we're going to inject them with something as young as five years old, even though on the, I'm sure you saw it yeah. on the FDA board, one, out of the 17 people, they voted 17-0 to do it for five to 11 year olds. And one of the doctors said, we won't know what happens until we inject the kids. I yeah. mean, if, if, if you it's won't terrifying. defend your children in the face of this, then what, what are you? Yeah, I will, I will tell you, I think they have uh, gone too far. Uh, and uh, I think people are, are standing up. And it is a really, really good thing uh, for yep. America. But they are way ahead, and we have to stand together. Proud to stand with you, uh, Dave. Uh, really, I, I really appreciate our friendship uh, and uh, love working Likewise, with you. Fine. Thank you, man. Same here. Same All the here. best. Good, Bye-bye. Good talking to you. That uh, story is going to be up at uh, theblaze.com if it's not already. Na, na, na.